What's going on, everybody? My name is George Hines Jr., and this is the pilot episode of the G-Spot Podcast. Now, the G has two different meanings, and I'll go ahead and explain those, so there has to be no further questioning from this point forward. Yes, if you're thinking it, the G-Spot is referring to the the Graffenberg spot, which I had to actually YouTube to see how to pronounce, and I still may have butchered it just now. And you guys can Google that yourselves. I won't go into further detail than that. But the G also stands for God. And it's referencing in the book of Genesis where it said that God created the spot. And he took the man that he created and placed him in that spot. So the entire purpose and the vision for this podcast is to simply... Take what we call sex, sexuality, sensuality, and align it with what God intended for it to be. Because so many of us are looking for a life that has all the principles and all the qualities of a God life. We just don't want to obey God's rules. And I don't want to call them rules like God's a school teacher or a taskmaster. That's not it. I just said rules for the simple, just, you know, for lack of a better term. And at the end of it all, I want people to be able to say, listen, G, George, I hear everything you're saying. I get it, bro. I understand it. The rationale was on point. The analogies were great. I totally get the logic. I still don't want that. I like doing it my way. Or you're the individual who says, bro, I never looked at it like that. Dog, I ain't never heard nobody talk about it like that. I got to make some changes. Which is exactly what took place with me. Here it is. The most important question in this universe is, did this man called Jesus Christ actually get up from the dead? That is the most important question in this universe. And whenever you decide to start your search, I suggest you start this very moment. But whenever you decide to, totally up to you. But there is no more important question on this universe, in this universe. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with my sexual timeline. Because before we answer any questions about who we are, where we are, we first have to go back and reflect and see how the heck did I end up here? Where did this start? Where and how? Because only then can we begin to unravel this thing and pray that God begins to uproot some things that we got to get rid of. So I'll start here. At the age of five, I'm a country boy. Like We grew up in the country. And I've Everybody in my family, all my aunts and uncles, they have been married, are married, most of them still. And for whatever reason, as kids, we were just some of the most sexual little kids that you will have ever seen. And I don't get it because none of my parents were never explicitly sexual. None of my aunts, none of my uncles, none of my cousins. I don't know where it came from. It's just like, I don't know, just something must have been something in the water. But everybody was drinking water. So I don't know. So I guess maybe everybody was sexual. I don't know. But I know that as kids, we were 
extremely sexual. And this is when the deviance became an issue. I was five years old, right? Four or five years old, something. Me and we were we were on the porch and we were hunching. And I mean, we used to go at it. And I for what I was a I was a very precocious kid, but for whatever reason, this particular day, like I just couldn't piece it together. Maybe I just panicked. But I got my drawers tangled up. And I couldn't get the joints back on. Like, I couldn't get my drawers back on. And I was like, man, you know what? Let me just go on in here and let me help my let my grandma help me out. So I go in the crib, and my grandma got this dirty house shoe. She whooped my first, time, first and only time she ever whooped me. She whooped my butt. So needless to say, that never happened again. But. The pursuit didn't stop. You know, as young kids, like seven, eight, nine, ten years old, like my parents, not my parents, but my friends used to always have these um, magazines that we would watch and share. And I don't know how my mama did it. Like, I'm talking way before find my iPhone and GPS trackers and stuff like that. Like, my mama could find pornography paraphernalia anywhere. So I just started telling my homeboys, I'm like, yo, look, don't give me the stuff because if you give it to me, my mama going to find it and she going to throw it away. And then we got to go find some other stuff like keep it at y'all house. So we begin to graduate from the magazines and my homeboys will find some of their daddy stuff. Right. Like and I'm a late 80s baby. So I grew up in the VHS era. So once we begin to transition from VHS to DVD, like that's when it really became a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like huge deal. And a disclaimer. Let's not pretend at all that our late 80s, early 90s, early 2000s porn addictions were the exact same as they are for these young kids now. Trust me. All the pornography we got to watch was something that our mom and daddy had laying around and were uh, irresponsible with. Kids now can dial up any fantasy that they want because their smartphones have unlimited data and no blocks, no firewalls. So they can go do whatever they want. So let's stop pretending that things aren't different for these young kids because they actually are. But anyway, so we're just... uh, we're just like in little pornography heaven, you know, we're, we're doing our thing. Like everybody's got stuff, DVDs, you can flip scenes, you can go back, you can rewind, you can go slow-mo, fast forward, like you do all this stuff and we're living it up. We are living it up. So as we get a little older, I think I'm 12, 13 years old. The only time in my life I have ever consciously been peer pressured. My homeboys had convinced me that they had had sex. And I'm just like, yo, I got to get rid of this virginity thing. Like, they done lost everything. And this is how you know that we're very irresponsible with our sexuality. Because instead of, like, nurturing our virginity and growing to understand it, we just want to get rid of it. We want to lose it. We want to lose it. Excited to lose it. One of my favorite quotes in this world, G.K. Chesterton. He says, before you remove any fence, pause long enough to see why it was put there in the first place. 
So I lose my virginity and it was one of the worst days of my life. And I said, you know what? I don't ever want to do that again. And I didn't for a while. But we continued to watch the pornography. And I remember guys in the eighth grade talking about sex and uh, masturbating, which was a huge thing. Everybody was talking about jacking off. And I'm like, yo, I don't even know what they're talking about. I ain't never done it before. You know, I watch a lot of porn, but I mean, I just everybody watches porn, right? So that's just what you do. But I mean, I, ain't, I don't I don't know. You know, I watch it because I enjoy it, not because I'm trying to jack off. I don't know how to jack off. And it's not something you just go say, hey, daddy, the boy is talking about jacking off. Can you teach me how to do that? You know. But one night, like I was headed to the I think it was my 10th grade summer. I was heading to the 10th grade or heading to the 11th grade. Not sure which. But. I was like, I've been sitting watching porn for like five hours. And I don't mean five hours just straight streaming pornography. Like, we were on dial-up back then. So, it was like five hours, but I actually probably only got about two hours worth of pornography. Because it was loading and buffering, you know, pixelated. It was, you know, all bad stuff. And this one particular night, yo, I'm just like, yo, something's got to happen. So, I'm going to go in here and try to figure this thing out. And Eureka, like, definitely figured it out. No doubt about it. This is definitely what the guys are talking about. And from that point, I mean, I was totally hooked. So after a few months of, you know, hardcore masturbation, and I mean hardcore masturbation, like every moment that I can get by myself, I'm definitely jacking off. And I finally got to a point, I'm like, yo, I got to try this sex thing out again because, you know, I feel like I'm ready this time. I feel like I'm ready to go. So around the age of 16, like I started having sex again. Like that's when like this, this second go around, this is when I began to have my first pregnancy scares. Right. So and that first one nearly gave me a heart attack. But after the first one, you kind of get used to it. So it's no big deal after that. So. Let's take another jump. Let's fast forward all the way to the year of 2013, right? I'm 25 years old in 2013. And this is after almost 10 years of complete sexual deviance. I'm just like, oh my goodness. I'm spent out. I'm burnt. Like my, uh, my pain. All right. So here's, here's the thing, right? Me and some of my homegirls. I was talking to them about my podcast and I was just telling them like, hey, G, you know, like you probably shouldn't be vulgar in this one because you're a man of God now. And there are ways to talk about sexuality without using words like pussy, which is totally vulgar and words like dick. She said, you know, like as a man of God, I just don't think those words are very becoming. And I totally understand what she's saying. And I actually believe that she's right. One thing though, that I want to make sure that I'm able to do and all of my listeners understand is this, the world of perversion in which I lived for years, I had no regard for the women in it, the men in it, or anybody that I offended. But for whatever reason, 
When we are converted and become Christian, we think that we have to walk on eggshells with our language. And I'm not talking about just being vulgar in the sense of offending young women, young ladies, or being disrespectful. But what I want to do is make sure that I am able to not necessarily meet people where they are. That's not what I'm doing. But I want to make sure that I'm being real about the world that we're speaking of. I don't want any young man that could potentially be, um, that could potentially have his perspective changed by where I come from to miss it because he feels like I'm too churchy. And then she says, well, the people that are meant for you, they'll know what you're trying to say anyway. You're right. You're, you're right. I get it. I understand it. So I won't use those words for the sake of what she explained to me. But at the same time, I need us to all know that that world of perversion that we come from, we don't play games in that. And we don't sugarcoat in that. And we never did. And we never had any intention to. We were raw and uncut. Thank God for salvation and thank God for his grace and thank God for the Holy Spirit that leads and guides us in all manners of truth. I don't want to play church games with anybody. I want to actually help people grow and understand that God loves you and he's aggressive with his grace. All right. Enough of that. So back to the timeline, right? It's 2013. And I'm just burnt out. I'm just like, yo, there's no way that a man should just be able to have sex any day that he wants to. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. This is the day that turned my life around. I'll never forget this night. And there were some events leading up to the to this day that I won't get into right now. But January the third January the nineteenth, twenty thirteen, I'm laying in my bed. At my mama and daddy house at the age of 25, jacking off. And I'm praying as I'm doing, like, I'm praying to God. I'm totally embarrassed. I'm totally naked, exposed. I'm like, God, please help. Help me. This coming after spending my 25th birthday in Atlanta with one of my old girls and like we she took me out for my birthday. We just had sex all night. For whatever reason, I woke up on December 29th that day and I was just like, yo, I can't do this anymore. But even then, I was continuing to masturbate. But for whatever reason, January the 19th, 2013, it was a Saturday night. I'll never forget this. I was like, God, I want to be a better man, please. Give me an opportunity. If you can still accept a man like me, give me a chance to be better. I want to do more than this. The very next day in church, it was almost as if my pastor had heard. It's like God had recorded the prayer that I prayed and sent it to my pastor. And he listened and he said so many things that convicted me and let me know that where I am attempting to go is exactly where a young man should be trying to go. And I was like, all right, that's it, God. I'm totally sold out to you from that night, from that day, January 19th, 2013, all the way through February 9th, 2014, I didn't have a stitch of, I didn't do anything sexual, no sex, no masturbation, nothing. And I knew after a year, I was a new man. 
Like it was just like I was just refreshed. It was like the scales had fallen off, the feathers had fallen off, the chains. I was like, yo, I feel rejuvenated. At the same time, I got these two female friends that I'm, you know, I'm kind of interacting with. I'm not really liking anybody at the time because I kind of cut everybody off. So these were brand new women. I'm like, you know, I ain't going back to no woman in my past. I ain't fooling with nobody old. I ain't doing none of that. So I got these two young women. And one night, it was a night just snowy. This is that North Carolina weather where it's just some bad weather that just pops up on you. And one young lady was hanging out with me in my house. I'm like, yo, it's getting bad out there. You might as well stay here with me. And the other young lady gives me a call. She's like, yo, I'm on my way out of town, but the weather's getting really bad. I don't know if I should turn around and go home or try to go on to where I'm going. I was like, well, where are you? She told me, I'm like, yo, you're not that far from where I live. You might as well come here. So these two young women stay at my house. And then after that night, the dynamics of my relationship with both of them individually changed. And on February the 9th, lo and behold, I started having sex with one of the young women. And I use the term sex loosely because we actually didn't have sex. Like before I even penetrated, I had already finished. Like I had to hurry up and put it in there to make it feel like I did something. Which caused us to have to go spend more money on playing. Man, I don't. I probably. I probably. I've. Oh my. My college years alone, I kept Planned Parenthood afloat with all the Plan B pills that I purchased. So we had to go do that. But now I'm embarrassed and I'm crying and I'm all out of sorts because I'm like, oh God, modern ruined it. Everything's horrible. Like God will never forgive me for this. I'm feeling convicted to the to the core of my soul but here's the thing with conviction and here's the thing with sin once we come down off that emotional high it's time to go to war again and that's where the enemy wants to get us alone and by ourselves so i started thinking i'm like you know what i done already messed up i'm already back at day one i'm already down and out and i embarrassed myself i got this young lady all hot and bothered I need to redeem myself. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to redeem myself. So me and this young lady had a sexual episode that lasted till March 22nd. And that, that, the night of March 22nd, I'm laying in the bed with her. And I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm sorry. I can't do this. The conviction is all over me. I can't really get comfortable here anymore. Like, I'm sorry. We got to stop pretty much. And we did. So March, April, May, June, all the way up until July. And I'm chilling at the other young lady's house. At her mom, we we actually at her mom's crib, sitting on her mom's couch. We kissing, I'm rubbing on her little booty. She looks at me and says to me, you know, I would give you some head, but I feel like that would be doing too much. And I'm like, shorty, listen to me. The fact that you telling me that you would give me some head and not doing and, and, and the fact that you're telling me that you would give me some head and thinking that you ain't gonna do it that's too much don't say nothing like that to me give me the head or don't i wish i would have listened to her i'm telling i wish i would have listened it was an experience unlike anything that i've ever felt and i'm talking about my mind is just blown. So she and I end up getting a relationship and we just, I'm, I've thrown inhibition to the wind. I'm just like, you know what? God ain't tripping. 
God ain't tripping. I went from having sex with uh, 10 different women, telling lies, doing this, doing that. I got one woman now. And I'm treating her right and I'm loving her right. And we praying together and we reading our scripture. And God is happy with what I'm doing. But I just couldn't get away from the conviction. I couldn't get away from it. And she and I just weren't seeing eye to eye. So we ended up breaking up. After we broke up, I got right into another relationship. I'm in love trying to get married again. She and I didn't see eye to eye. So I get in another relationship. In this relationship, things are going great. I move in with this chick after like a month, a month and a half of knowing her. I move in with her. She and I talking about getting married. That ended up not going right. And by this time, it's 2016. So I went from February 2014 all the way to the summer of 2016. And I'm, I mean, I'm in a whirlwind. And I remember saying to myself, I'm like, yo, I got to get out of this thing. I got to get away from these girls. I got to get away from all this sex because I, I'm feeling convicted. I'm losing myself again. And I'm like, oh, I got a tremendous idea. I'll start jacking off again to wean myself off of the sex I'm having with these women. Because I hadn't jacked off since 2013. Excuse me, since 2014. So I'm like, yo, I'll start doing that again to wean myself off of the sex. Horrible idea. Like, probably one of my worst ideas yet. But at the time, it sounded like a good one. So anyway, here I am doing my thing. And I just can't get free. Like, I just I just can't find any peace in this thing. At all. And I'm like, God, I, I need I, I need you to intervene again. Like, can, can you come scoop me up one more time, please? I, I know. I know that I don't. Des- please. And I said, you know what? I know what I'm going to do for accountability this time. I'm going to go another year without sex, without masturbation, except this time, instead of just writing in my journal, I'm going to blog about it. So I started the blog in November 12, 2016. I started a blog, Journey and Homeward, uh, 365 days, no sex, no masturbation. And I'm hyped because God is about to do a tremendous thing in my life and his anointing is about to moving my life to help people and shine light on this and do all this and oh thank you god for saving me again and it was all good i can't even front it was all good until april the 7th and i remember all these dates man i don't they just i just remember them in my head april the 7th 2017 i'm laying in my bed It was a Friday night and I go to sleep and I have a dream and I'm not going to use any of these young women's names, but I'm going to use numbers. So I need you to follow me. I show up to this party with girl number one and girl number one. Now, this girl is like young lady that I met over the summer. And I mean, she is a super fine dime. Like She's one of them chicks. I don't care if you black, white. Hispanic, Korean, Indian, Vietnamese, uh, Haitian, Puerto Rican, Saudi Arabian, Canadian. I don't care where you're from on the earth. 
she's fine to all of us. So I show up to the party with her. And girl number two was at the party. And girl number two says, yo, what are you doing here with her? So as I'm trying to explain to girl number two why I'm there with girl number one, girl number three walks in. Now, girl number three is a girl who I was totally in love with and would have. She She's the girl that changed everything in my life. And I'm like, hey, ladies, listen to me. Girl number three just showed up. I'm dipping. So I go to girl number one. I'm like, yo, I'm leaving with girl number three. Girl number two is like, no, you're not leaving with her. I said, listen, shorty, she's leaving. I'm dipping with her. I don't care what you say. Then I wake up. Now, April the 8th, 2016 is a huge day. Excuse me. April the 8th, 2017 is a huge day for girl number two. And because she and I are on the outs, I can't be there for her. And I'm feeling all types of emotional because I want to be there for her. Like, I like this girl. I want to be around. I want to, you know, I want to be able to support her on her big day. And I'm thinking of all these ways because you get real creative. Ladies, if a man ever says that he loves you, he's going to have a level of creativity when it comes to you that is going to surprise not only you, but your friends and family. Because there are no limits to where he'll go, what he'll do to get in your space. So don't be dealing with these clowns that say they love you and they ain't coming for you. Man love you, he coming. In some form or fashion. So I'm like, all right, I can't be with her. I got to find a way to at least be close to her. So I call up one of my other girls. And I'm like, yo, what you doing today? I'm coming to kick it with you today. Because she lives in the same city as girl number two. So I go up there, we hang out, we kick it, it's all good, you know, I know why I'm there, so I'm really lying the whole time, I didn't want to see her, but you know, whatever, I'm there. I'm about to hop in my car and go home, and I just feel like, like, just sleep just hit me, and I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna go upstairs, I'm gonna take a little nap, then I'm gonna hit the road. Man, next thing I know, we in there popping, popping skins. The only difference in this one is that I got this blog. Where I'm talking to all these people about God saving me and saving myself for marriage and not masturbating and how purity is such a benefit and how love is not possible if you want to adhere to what God has told us to do in our sexuality. And here I am throwing dingling all over the place. I called bro on the phone. I said, big bro, I done messed up and I'm crying. I done messed up, bro. I just had sex with this chick, man. And I was going to shut it all down. I was going to shut the blog down. I was through with all of it. I said, you know what, man? I'm I'm done. Freak it. I might well just go on back out here and bury myself in this little hole. But I thank God for accountability partners. He wouldn't let me quit. He said, nope, you started it. You're going to finish it. I don't care how much you struggle and you tell them what you need to tell them, but you ain't quit nothing. So I continue to fight and I battle and I struggle and I fought and I battle and I struggle. And September 22nd, after months of just struggling and battling to get back to a point where I'm really focused on this blog and really focused on purity and abstaining. And I'm like, yo, I got two months left in this blog. 
let me at least finish strong. Like, God, please, like, I don't want to be a total hypocrite. Let me at least finish strong here. And I did September, October, November, December, January, all the way up to January. In January, I um met this other young lady. She and I started talking. I go visit her in January thinking that, again, this is just me being totally ignorant. Thinking that everything is good because she loves God and I love God. And we pray together and we study scriptures together. And I don't care, but let me tell you something. I don't care how much you love God. If you were a woman and if you're a man and you're with a woman and there's a mutual heterosexual attraction... I don't care how much God y'all got in y'all. Ain't no way you abstaining. Not if you trying to be standing night and cuddled up and love bugged up. It ain't going to happen. So here we are doing it again. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Here we go again. And I'm just like, God, you know what? I'm a joke. Don't even worry about me. Don't worry about me. Just just let me do my own thing, man. Because it's obvious that I can't I can't I can't stay I can't stay focused. I can't do it. I don't know why you even called me to do this and talk to these people about this and you know I struggle with it too. I don't get it, God. I don't even really want to deal with it and I ain't fooling with it. Till the beginning of this month, I called myself going down to Atlanta. I said, you know what, man? I'm calling up some of my old joints, and I'm going to roundhouse all of them. I'm going to hit everybody. I'm back. I might as well come do my thing. But I get to Atlanta, and my plans just didn't go like I planned. And I'm frustrated. Like I'm, I'm like, all right, God, if 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 this how you gonna be, then I need you to come get me again and restore me again, because. Ever since that day, last year on April the 8th, when I had that dream, I've been battling every single day for my soul. And I feel like I'm losing. So are you going to come help me again or not? That's when I had the idea to start this podcast. So I hit up some of my homegirls again. I'm like, hey, what do y'all think? And one of my homegirls who holds me accountable, like really accountable, she says, gee, Where are you? How are you doing right now with your sexuality? Because I think the name, the G-Spot, she said, that's witty. I like it. It's cute or whatever. Where are you right now with your abstinence? I said, yo, I'm struggling. I ain't in front. I'm struggling. She said, so tell me how you going to talk to people about their sexuality and how to obey God with their sexuality, how to remain pure in their sexuality. And you're struggling with yours yourself. I said, yo, I, I got to be honest. I really don't know. I said, but because you've known me for so long and you've been here and seen me fighting and battling through this for years, when do you feel like I should start? She really didn't have an answer for me. And I'm not saying that she's wrong, but what I want to point out to you is this. If you're waiting for the time to be perfect if you're waiting for the time to be where you got it all together before you start doing what god has called you to do or before you start doing a great thing you'll die first take whatever it is that you're struggling with but you know that god has gifted you to help people in that area in that arena you take what you struggle with and 
as you help others, let that transparency of what you're struggling with be the true fabric that allows people to engraft their story to yours. And what you're giving people ultimately becomes the fuel that helps you get to the next place that God wants you to be. Don't be ashamed. We all got something that we're struggling with. Everybody, Everything that you say and do won't be for everybody. But there's somebody who is waiting for you to come through and drop a dime on them. Because all they are is a dime short from getting where they want to go. And if you're anything like me and you feel like, yo, I got to have it all together before I go, somebody going to miss their whole life because you didn't come put that dime on them. Don't be that selfish. Do not be that selfish. And so here I am. The G-Spot podcast is born and it's been created for everybody like myself that says, you know what, man? I really want to understand who God is. I really want to understand how this thing works. But in the meantime, I got this, I got this, I got my own ideals. I got my own life. I got my own thoughts about what I feel like the world is. And I don't feel like I'm a bad person. Like I ain't doing nothing wrong. I'm just doing this with my girl. I'm just doing that. I mean, it ain't like I'm out here cheating and lying and stealing. I ain't hurting nobody. I'm just masturbating. I'm watching my pornography doing my own thing. I ain't bothering nobody. But what we got to understand, and this is what God had to show me. What I do in my house may not impact the other houses on the from the from an exterior perspective it may not impact or or um detrimentally impact the other houses in my community but eventually what i do inside is going to come outside in some perverse way and it's not saying that god is trying to control our lives in such a way that we can't even enjoy ourselves and have pleasures What I'm talking about is understanding why and how God intended for us to have the pleasures, the good pleasures that he has for us and totally aligning ourselves with what with the truth. So everybody that's uh, willing to jump on this train, man, and take this journey with me, I'm with it. And I'm totally committed to it because. More than anything in this universe, I like to see people happy and in love. And it just so happens that God created love. God is love. God understands happiness. And he knows how this human machine works. I mean, who better than the person that created us to tell us how this machine is supposed to function at an optimal level? So thank you. Everybody that tuned in to this first G-Spot podcast, it's going to be an amazing journey, man. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some laughs. Take everything with a grain of salt except what's true. And you go back and do your own soul search and your own study and your own research. Because I'm not God on any level. I'm not anything close to a preacher. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a young man that wanted the truth for myself because I wanted to optimize and max out of my happiness and in my life. 
Y'all be blessed. Talk to you soon.